Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode 44, dedicated to a man that hit 755 home runs throughout his Major League Baseball career, Mr. Hank Aaron. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading to another episode of the podcast. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that are searching for new podcasts to listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this is your first episode or if you have been listening since episode Episode one, be sure to people know about the podcast. If you have not listened to episode number 43 with one of my former high school teammates and high school classmates, Mr. Ronnie Roberts, you best believe you owe it to yourself to do that. He provided some great insight. Check it out. Episode 43 that dropped on Monday. And also, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I don't want to get too deep into the thing and not say that. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. I sure hope you have a lot of fun with your family and your friends today. Seeing people that you see once a year or once every other year. Sometimes you see them quite often throughout the year. But once you get them around the family and some of your friends together to reminisce, go talk about old memories and make new memories all at the same time, it's a glorious thing that we have and we're able to celebrate here in our great country, the United United States of America. You are just family friends. You got the food. Trust me. Those of you thinking about it right now are thinking of the food you're going to eat in a little bit or that you have already eaten. There are there's food that we eat on Thanksgiving that we don't eat any other day of the year. So we look forward to it. Every kitchen we go to happens to have something different inside of it. So it's always about man, how many houses am I going to go to? How many people am I going to see? And please best believe I'm not trying to eat too much food. That's just something you think about on 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 Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving on this holiday. Also, there's football. Football is a big part of Thanksgiving. Sometimes, to some people, it's bigger than the family and the food itself. I sure hope it's not for you, but for some reason, but for some people, it might be. Football is all weekend, all day on on Thanksgiving. You got three uh, football games on Thanksgiving tradition. The Lions host a game, the Cowboys host a game, and then also you have that nightcap when they added the third Thursday night game or Thursday game on Thanksgiving. To this tonight, we had the Falcons going. Falcons hosting the Saints. I almost said Falcons going. They went to New Orleans earlier this year. The Falcons hosting the Saints. A rivalry in and of itself in NFL. But to me, this weekend, football-wise, I don't think about the NFL. The NFL is every is 16 weeks. Every Sunday, uh, you have great matchups. But college football is different. It's new, It's unique. These teams have rivals. And when the rivals get together on the field to play against each other, there's a different level of hatred. There's a different level of play. Every school ups their play, ups their level of anxiety, uh, ups their level of adrenaline, you may want to say, because you don't get to see this person every week. It's, it's a special date on the calendar, on your season, saying, hey, we're going to close out our regular season every single year against our biggest rival. The Iron Bowl, Alabama-Auburn, The Game, Ohio State, Ohio State in Michigan, the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. You have the old Oaken Bucket game, IU and Purdue, the Civil War, Oregon and Oregon State, the battle for the Legends Trophy, Notre Dame and Stanford, Wisconsin, Minnesota this weekend, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, 
Texas A&M and LSU, North Carolina, NC State. Now, a lot of these schools, they're not the school's biggest rival. No, they're not. Some other schools, they play the biggest rival throughout uh, earlier in the season so that when they play, it's a designated date, and it, everybody looks forward to that date. But college football as a whole gets this thing right. College basketball, it would be way too hard to have all these colleges play their rival at the for, during the last game. Uh, it may be easy, you say, but there's but I, I think it would be a little bit trickier um, to get all the all college basketball teams schedule-wise to match up and say, hey, we're going to do just like college football, and you are going to play one of your, or if not your biggest rival, the last game of the season college football i look forward to this the 330 slot every single every single year on thanksgiving weekend alabama auburn never ever changes now you can say i don't care about either one of those schools but when, it, when you get two teams like this playing you pick one side or another i'm not a big fan of either one of these schools but every year i'm picking auburn over alabama i'm rooting for auburn over alabama now most of the time a lot of times alabama is better than auburn alabama has better offense has a better defense than auburn so me rooting for auburn it's just literally what's ingrained inside of me ohio state and michigan it's ohio state all the way no questions asked iu and purdue it's iu all the way no questions asked. actually actually my mom graduated from indiana university so that's part of the reason why we have that georgia georgia tech you have washington state washington missouri arkansas as i'm saying these schools you're recognizing a lot of these are in-state rivalries or they're cross state border rivalries a lot of these guys these athletes these coaches have either coached together at one point or these athletes played against each other in high school or the school that they're about to play didn't recruit them or the school that they grew up rooting for and watching every single saturday didn't recruit them but their rival did so they went to the rival and said hey this is payback for what you didn't give me a scholarship to play football for your team rivalry week one of the best weeks in college football i'm here for it love all the great matchups your record means nothing because right now you're playing for the name on the front of your jersey not the name on the back let's go ahead and take a trip to baltimore maryland because this ravens team just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling no matter who they play Going into this season, I didn't have high hopes for the Ravens. Going into this season, I didn't have high hopes for Lamar Jackson. I had high hopes for Mark Ingram. I'm a big fan, uh, big fan since college in his playing style, the running mad style that some people call it. But this particular season for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson didn't think it was going to be hot. Not at all. I, I know Lamar Jackson didn't start last year, the complete season, but I thought year two uh, of being a full-time or his first full year being a full-time starter coming off a year last year where he got implemented in the middle of the season to be the starter there in Baltimore. I thought defensive coordinators, defenses were going to have a game plan. We're going to be able to scheme him a lot better than they currently are because they have some film on him. You know how it is. A player year one, uh, it's just kind of lightning in a bottle. No one really knows what to expect from him. So when he gets on the field what happens he's he's a breath of fresh air he's amazing he, he he literally will play out of his mind because nobody else on the other team has film on him from the nfl to know what to expect from when he is on the field near two now you're three for lamar jackson as a whole as a professional football player but year two um being a, a starting caliber quarterback what have we seen well last year there's a transition last year he had games of throwing these are completion completion percentages i'm going to say now 68 percent 
completion percentage. And as a quarterback, to me, that's way better than no matter how many passing yards you throw, how many touchdowns you throw, how many rushing yards or rushing touchdowns you have. All of those things are great. All those things help your team win. If you, but the, but to me, I want any I want an efficient quarterback. I want a quarterback I could give him the ball, not if it's under center, under center, pistol, or the shotgun to say, hey, you're I'm gonna trust you. I'm going to trust you with the team. I'm going to trust you with the play calls. I'm going to trust you to audible to the right play to get this team in the right position to win. Well, this season, the passing no completion percentages have gone up drastically. A more consistent person, a more consistent passer. Now, the offense is more suited for Lamar Jackson. The offense fits him and suits him way better than most people would have imagined. These RPOs that he's running, my goodness, I'm watching this game. I'm thinking every single time, Mark Ingram's getting this ball. But I'm reading the quarterback after a while. It's like, no, he's not just getting the ball. Lamar Jackson is reading the defense and saying, hey, if that DN comes up, if the, if the DN crashes, if there's an opening for a pass, I'm pulling that thing and slinging it. I'm pulling that thing and running it. Or I'm going to hand it off depending on what the defense is doing. These RPOs, if ran correctly, are deadly. They're insanely deadly. There is, it's so hard to predict and to know what a player, no matter if it's Lamar Jackson or if it's a running back or for, if, for, if it's a receiver, what they're going to do. This year, his completion percentages have gone up and they have been consistent. Now, he just start the season with an 85% uh, completion percentage, but granted, he was against the Dolphins. <laughs> Everyone should beat the Dolphins. Also, as I mentioned, he played the Bengals twice. That's a division foe. Everyone should beat the Bengals, two of the worst teams in the NFL. Unfortunately, that's the way that cookie, that cookie has crumbled for the, those two organizations. So, yes, yeah, so he had 85% completion percentage at the beginning of the year, follow up by 64%, 57%. And then things started to get better consistently in the 60s. After that, he did have one poor game against the Seahawks where he was 45%. But he went 70%, 67%, 63%. Like I said, that poor game against the Seahawks where he was 45 which they ended up winning that game 30-16. to The Seahawks defense is really, really, really good. You have 73%, 88%, 70%. And then on Saturday, on Monday, he went a whopping 15 for, 15 for 20. I believe he had five passing touchdowns, 75% completion percentage. And as you're watching the game, you're thinking, hold on, man, what, what is this guy doing? How was he able to do this? I mean, he's not throwing he's not throwing the ball deep. He's not throwing the ball around 30, 40 times to get these touchdowns. No, he's very efficient. He's very efficient. He's so efficient that opposing defenses don't know how to slow him down. Before the game, I believe it was Marcus Peter, Marcus Peters tweeted at Michael Vick. He said, Hey Michael Vick, can you help me understand and learn how to stop a quarterback just like you? Now, it's all tongue-in-cheek. It's funny. We laugh at stuff like that, but it's true. These defenses have no idea how to stop something like this. This is stuff that you see in college. You don't normally see this stuff translate to the NFL. Most of your Heisman Trophy candidates or no Heisman Trophy winners that play this style, this move, the, the mobility, needing their legs to keep them, uh, to help them keep their job. A lot of these guys don't last in the NFL. A lot of these guys have to either have to change their playing style or not because it just doesn't translate to the speed, the brains, 
the uh, coaching of the NFL in those schemes. I remember back in 2001, Eric Crouch of Nebraska won the Heisman Trophy. And I, mean, I think he got drafted by the St. Louis Rams. And they wanted to make him a receiver. Now, a lot of people in today's day, they're thinking, what are you talking about? Make a quarterback a receiver? Nebraska, that was the end run of those great Nebraska teams. I believe Nebraska that year uh, went to the National Championship but lost to Miami. What are you saying? Well, how are you going to tell me that they're going to take a quarterback and want to move him to receiver? Well, if you remember anything about college football and then Nebraska team back then and those great Nebraska teams, they're full-on triple option, baby. That's what they ran all the time, and it was so hard to stop them. But you got a quarterback, one the Heisman, running the triple option. Well, the triple option don't translate to the NFL. No. Now, right now, it's the Ravens are doing things that no one has ever seen. But back then, it was unheard of. It was unheard of to even think about trying something like that in the National Football League. So Eric Crouch, Eric Crouch said, no, I'm not going to try and be a receiver. I know what you want. I know the team that's on there now, now back in this, this Rams team as well. This Rams team had Kurt Warner, the greatest team on the greatest show on turf. Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, uh, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt. I believe they had Ricky Prohl. I mean, the prolific high power offense you would think a quarterback would want to be on the field with them at any means by any means necessary but no he had in his heart that he wanted to be a quarterback no matter what they said so what did he do he didn't play nope he did not play and he's not the only quarterback the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback that people have said hey you need to change your position you need to change the way that you're coming to us you need to change the way you play why because your playing style is not going to fit in our league your playing style is not going to fit in our team and we are not going to change and cater to you we want you to cater to us. Well, with the Ravens, what do they do? They saw Lamar Jackson's skill set. They know they saw the way Lamar Jackson played in college and said, can we figure out a way to get him and his playing style, his repertoire, whatever moves he has in his bag, can we get away for that to translate to our team? Can we get away for that to translate into the National Football League? Can we get away for us to be one step, two step, three steps ahead of the defensive coordinators? And I think they have found that way. Remember, when Colin Kaepernick was in San Francisco, he was doing things and his offense was suited for him and the team did not, they did not force him to suit the offense and what happened made their way to the Super Bowl. A lot of people say that if it wasn't for a power outage in that Super Bowl, they would have beat who? The Ravens. And they're both of these teams are on a collision course this year to meet in the Super Bowl this year once again. Imagine it. Jimmy G, Lamar Jackson in the Super Bowl playing against each other. Rams, 49ers. Hey, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if these teams keep rolling like they are, there's a good chance that it will. One of the most alarming things or eye-popping, eye-opening things about this team is their offensive line. Now, we can talk a lot about their defense, how the defense is playing, how the defensive backs are playing. I, we can go on and on about that, but that's not it to me. We can talk a lot about the receivers and how crispy their routes are and how and how they're basically wide open all the time. No matter if it's a slant, no matter if it's a post corner, no matter what the route is, they seem like they're always open. Their route running is amazing, and they're all having fun together. It's not the running backs. No, it's not the running backs are playing very very well and Mark Ingram with his running mad style is still doing his thing no matter what team he plays for it's the offensive line some of the forgotten members of the football team we everybody gets talks about Lamar Jackson everybody talks about his ability to move and shake and to be, and be a quarterback that no one can figure out how to stop but nobody talks about the the five men up front from tackle to tackle that are doing their job 
in one accord together every single week and are saying, hey, what, what can, we, can we get some love, man? Now, they're not saying this, but this is what I'm saying in my head. This is what I was saying in my head on Monday night. Can they get some love? Can those five big men up front get some love? Because if it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for those guys, Lamar Jackson wouldn't be able to do anything he's doing on the field. We marvel at Michael Vick, but Michael Vick had to be able to step up in the pocket. Now, sometimes his offensive line was not as good as the Ravens' offensive line, which is true. But this offensive line, man, run past options. You have you have your steps. Your first two steps have to be on point every single time because no matter what is going on behind you, you have to tip off the defensive line and the linebacker to say, hey, we're doing this, this play. We're doing that, that play. And if you're off, what's going to be behind you is off. And that defense is going to get some breath. The defense is going to get some life. That defense will get some momentum. And they'll say, hey, I don't care about what's going on behind the O-line. These O-linemen are telling me everything that's going on. So all you got to do is read them read their steps read their body read their read their head read their hips no matter what you got to read read them and by reading them i can get to the ball a whole lot quicker but this offensive line is not doing that did you notice on monday night that they neutralized aaron donald Yes, neutralized, completely neutralized Aaron Donald. How many teams can do that? There were numerous times over and over and over and over, especially in these RPOs that they ran. See, like they were double-teaming Aaron Donald automatically. Now, you would think a lot of teams would be able to double-team him or no, do double-team him. They should. I mean, yes, that's great. But how many people are actually successful? Successful in a, a no matter if it's a RPO, a regular handoff, if it's a if it's a pass dropping back, they found a way to neutralize the best defensive player on the other side of the field, and he was no factor at all. You think forty-five to six, the 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 Ravens beating the Rams on Monday night, that was no fluke. Ladies and gentlemen, that was no fluke. The Ravens are for real. The Ravens, can they keep this thing rolling? I don't know. They play the 49ers this weekend. Now imagine if this is part one of what could be part two of these two teams matching up in the Super Bowl in February. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be shocked if it did. As fans... We get so wrapped up into the game. We get so wrapped up into these players, athletes, coaches, no matter who it is. We fall in love with them and say, hey, man, you're our man. We believe in you. We believe you're the person for us. We believe you're going to lead us to the promised land. Or if you're not, Freddie Kitchens for a lot of the Browns fans, Baker, Make Baker Mayfield for some Browns fans. Oh, you don't, you don't deserve to be here. You're not that good. You're trash. Well, I don't know why we drafted you. Get away from here. And you start shouting profanities and start cursing at people and sending death threats to people that you've never met. And you're just saying, hey, because you don't help me, I don't want you on my team anymore. And I think people forget that these athletes, these coaches are human. Urban Meyer recently retired from football, no, from coaching football. And people think, man, why are you going to retire? Your team's really good. You have a chance of winning the national championship this year with you as, as the head coach. What are you doing this for? Well, he had health reasons. And those health reasons, I'm sure there were mental battles with him every single day. He recently came out and said when he first retired, when he first got out of coaching, it was hard. The hardest moments of his day was the first 90 minutes of the day. And from the first 90 minutes, he was battling back and forth to figure out, should I go back or should I not? Should I go back or should I not? Man, I miss it. I miss the grind. I miss being around the, the young men. I miss being around the coaches. I miss being in the locker room. I miss those recruiting trips. I miss all of it. Well, the 90 minutes went down to 60 minutes and that 60 minutes went down to 30 minutes and now it's the first 30 minutes of every single day are the hardest part of him for every day because he misses coaching 
so much. Andrew Luck recently retired. Now, people talk a lot about Andrew Luck, but he recently retired. Imagine it. 29, 30 years old, a highly talented guy, been going through so, has so many injuries in his young career, and you're saying, hey, man, don't don't worry about it, man. Do it for me. Do it for me. Do it for me. And as, and as fans, we want Andrew Luck, we want Urban Meyer to play for us, to do what we want to do, to do things for us, to, <laughs> to make our team win. But what happens? That doesn't happen. They're humans, and they have human things that they have to handle. Andrew Luck recently had a baby. Now, a lot of people, as people know, he was going to have a baby, but he didn't cite the baby. He cited so many different things, not just one, that were deciding factors in him retiring. And now, I've seen him recently, when, since I've seen him out, he looks so happy. He looks so happy. He looks regular. He doesn't look like he's battling the same battles that he was battling at one time. He looks so content with life, and that's what we want for, for athletes. No, that's what we should want for our athletes. Vontae Davis. A player that was once called quitting on his team, quitting on the job, and people got their jokes off about him, but you don't know what the pressure he was under from his family, from his friends, from his teammates, from his coaches, from fans to say, hey, man, don't quit on us. Don't do that. And he, I'm sure, I, I believe he was talking about uh, quitting, uh, retiring from football before the game. But so many people, he felt the pressure, not just from inside, but from outside and outside as well. And said, hey, man, you better keep playing. Don't quit on us. No, no, no. We brought you here to play for us. We don't care about you as a human being. We brought you here to play for us and us only. Well, he ended up playing a game, quitting at halftime of the game. People got their jokes off about him. People started rambling off certain things. But you know what? There are mental battles in his head that I believe he had to come at that time. Kyrie Irving is another individual that battles the same thing that us as human beings battle on a regular basis. Now, you can say, Jay, Kyrie Irving, he's a one-of-a-kind talent. He he has so much money, man. He has, he has so many endorsements. He has, his NBA contract is one-of-a-kind. Yes, that is true. But take it a step further than that. We have recently seen Kyrie Irving. What did he have? He had a family member pass away, and we had to see what? He still played basketball. What do you expect? People said, oh, man, your, your family member died. Yeah, but you're still here. Excuse me? If my mom passes away, if my dad passes away, if a relative passes away, then I, I mean, there are times that people, that things happen in our, in our lives, there were life situations, life circumstances that we garner the right to do what? To not be at work, to not be at the birth, at, at the workplace. I say birthplace. If, if someone's giving birth, if you, if, if you are a, a man or a woman and you're either you're giving birth or, or someone that you're with is having your baby, what do you want to be? You want to be there with them. That's what you want to do. You want to be there with them you want to take care of them you want to make sure they're comfortable you want to make sure that everything goes smooth with the delivery and everything that goes in with that but these athletes people expect them hey if your wife's having a kid or your girlfriend's having a kid hey if you're a male athlete be there be there no 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 don't no 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 you ain't missing no game you ain't missing no you know you're not missing no game but that's what people are doing now college athletes college no college athletics college fans can be some of the worst Alabama, Auburn, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State. Some of the nastiest uh, fans, some of the nastiest sayings are being said to around college athletes, uh, people receiving death threats simply because they do something wrong on the field. A death threat. One simple death threat 
that takes 30 seconds to write, type, or if it comes out of your mouth from you to them, one simple death threat, what does that do? That can leave a lifetime of pain, of mental pain, of mental struggle, of mental battles, because you as the individual thought that you were better than the person you're talking to, when ultimately, we're all human beings. We're all on the same plane. Yes, some people on the job place have a different title, but we're all human. We all have the same responsibilities. Pay our bills, be good people, uh, treat others uh, treat others very well better than what they, we would want them to treat us and we these are things that we have to tackle well when Kyrie Irving puts something on Instagram and in his Instagram story what happens people start talking oh Kyrie's mentally weak Kyrie's this guy Kyrie's that guy Kyrie can't handle the limelight Kyrie's a human being I'm not going to read what he put it's definitely on his Instagram story I saw first with Rachel Nichols at ESPN she put on her on her page on her Instagram page and I thought she was talking about herself no it was something that Kyrie Irving put, explaining the, how the media, how sports fans, how we operate, and how people just expect so much of the athletes that they forget that they're human. Athletes are human. Coaches are human. You never know what that person that's next to you, across from you, is going through. So definitely do not, not don't hold up. Don't don't start just shouting and yelling things to make sure that they know your how your point, how you want your point to come across. No, think twice before you say something. It's a saying. Think twice, three, think three times, read your tweet over five times, read your Instagram caption story, Facebook status, whatever it is, read it over three, four, five times to make sure it's said properly and to make sure that it needs to be said or it should be said. One thing that I have made told myself, I am not going to act on Twitter a college athlete or a high school athlete. Now, high school athletes, I will, or college athletes, I will under one circumstance. If it's a congratulatory tweet, if it's something that's very, very good, but I definitely try my best, try my hardest. If it's a college athlete or a high school athlete, a recruit, someone locally is doing something very well. If they do something bad, I'm not going to at you to do something to say to diminish you. Now, even for even for people in the NBA professionals, I try my best not to talk down to them, talk negative to them, because you know a lot of these athletes, they go to social media, they Google or they search their own name. Pat McAfee being one of them on the Pat McAfee show, search their own name to see what people are saying about them. Now imagine if I'm the one or if you're the one that goes ahead and starts saying negative things, sending death threats via Twitter, start saying uh, negative uh, profanity things about them, saying, hey, you're horrible. You're a horrible human being. Why are you doing this? You, we don't want you on our team. You're trash. And start saying all these garbage things about them. It says more about you than it is to, than it does about them. But what it does to them, it could be a lifetime of mental hurt, mental, physical, uh, whatever the battle is that they're going to, spiritual. No matter what it is, the athletes are human. And I think as fans, we need a reminder every now and then that they are human so that we don't go out of our way to say negative things that could potentially damage them as a person. Before we get out of here... Let's go ahead and get these picks off for the week. Last week in college football, I went 2-2, two and two, uh, currently 35-18 and 18 overall in the season. And then last week in the NFL, I went 3-1, and one, currently 27-18 and 18 overall on the season. For college football this week, I got four picks. And then for the NFL, I have four picks 
as well. For college football on Thursday night, on today, I have Ole Miss over Mississippi State. On Saturday, I have Ohio State over Michigan. I have Florida over Florida State. And I have Alabama, yes, Mac Jones, Alabama over Auburn. One thing I noticed about, about Alabama, they don't need an All-American, All-World quarterback to beat a team. And I think with Mac Jones and the other players that are, that are there on the, on the offensive side and the defense as well, they have too much firepower for Auburn this year. Uh, in the NFL, I have the Cowboys over the Bills. On Sunday, I have the Steelers over the Browns in that rematch, rematch after that brawl or the beatdown or uh, that helmet hitting where Miles Garrett hit uh, uh, Mason Rudolph, excuse me. And then uh, on Sunday, I had the Chiefs over the Raiders and the Seahawks over the Vikings on Sunday night. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore J25. Follow us on Instagram at Jay Stevens Podcast. Send your emails to jstevenspod at gmail.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that are searching for new podcasts to listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this is your first episode or if you have been listening since episode one, be sure to let people know about the podcast. This has been episode 44 of the JC Podcast. I'll see you next time.